Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Blue Marble Podcast, and also another installment of Green Faith Circle here at Circle Sanctuary. I'm your host, Rev Charbert. Thanks for tuning in. Here we share personal stories about love and faith in action for our planet and lively discussions about climate justice issues and things we can do to help. And our purpose is to educate and to motivate. This time, Our featured guest is Nan Foster. She's a colleague of mine and a friend who is going to be sharing her journey so far in catalyzing a climate action ministry in her home congregation. Nan is a Unitarian Universalist. She joined the UU Church of the Monterey Bay Peninsula in 2022, and she became active in their Environmental Justice Committee. You're going to hear more about that. In 2015, she became a climate reality leader, trained by former Vice President and Nobel Laureate Al Gore, and since then, she's been active in climate advocacy as well. Uh, Professionally, Nan is a math teacher in a charter school for adults who did not finish high school, and she loves walking in nature, watching birds and other animals, and singing in her church's choir. I've personally watched Nan set the stage for climate activism in her UU congregation, and I I wanted her to be able to share about this with others of us who are also involved with Green Faith Circle and who are involved with our own home communities, our own home congregations, circles, groves, covens, who want to be able to help people engage uh, in climate activism and justice. Welcome, Nan, and welcome to other members who are here with us. I want to invite everybody uh, other than Nan for a moment to go ahead and introduce yourself, if you'd kindly say your name and where you're hailing in from tonight. Reverend Judith. Hi, I'm Reverend Judith. I'm calling in from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, I've been a member of Circle Sanctuary for well over a dozen years now, and I'm honored to be serving. Thank you. Uh, Reverend Selena. Hi, I'm Reverend Selena Fox, and I'm a senior minister and founder of Circle Sanctuary. And I'm coming to you tonight from the home where Dennis and I live, which is on land that adjoins Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. And Reverend Dennis. Hi, I'm Dennis Carpenter, and I'm also uh, coming into you tonight from Oak Haven, next to Circle Sanctuary in southwestern Wisconsin, where we've gotten about eight to nine inches of snow today, and it's lovely outside. Glad you could be with us. And um, if Selena and Dennis both disappear, it's because they're dealing with blizzard conditions. So we're happy that you're with us for now, for as long as you can be. Uh, Jessica? Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica LeClaire. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, which is also in the snowstorm and uh, located on the ancestral lands of the Ho-Chunk Nation. 
Thank you. And we've got uh, George and Jennifer. Hey, folks. Hello. I'm George. Uh, George Whitney from Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Jennifer Reed. Awesome. And again, Charlotte Bear here in the Monterey Bay, which is the traditional lands of the Ohlone peoples and the Amamutsan tribal band in California Central Coast. Um, so, um, Nan, I'm so glad that you agreed to do this. And um, I just was really wondering while we get started, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you mentioned loving to be in nature. Um, so I don't know, maybe start by saying, what is it about nature connection that matters to you that is sacred to you? Yeah. Um, you know, when you, you, I, you gave me this question to reflect on before and it's, it, it's, it was sort of, uh, took me aback because it's so, such a, a strong draw that I feel to wanting to, um, you know, whether it's watching birds or uh, the beautiful marine mammals that we have here or just the trees, um, it, that it's sort of, I had to, it's, it feels so automatic in a way, you know, and I realize it's actually similar to the draw to connecting with humans, you know, or pets. It's just um, uh, so um, soothing and pleasing and, and the, also, though, it's also informed my, by my larger understanding of our, you know, planet and the ecosystems that exist and the entire way that it's connected and that our being evolved out of all these, like, natural processes and systems. So I'm informed by that science and that knowledge that it's so deeply important for us. Um, and I found that I, I found that just it happened that I wanted to, like, focus on birds and wildlife more as I, the more I got involved in climate activism. I didn't plan it that way, but I think it made me want to cherish it all more. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, well, within that, then what made you decide to become a Unitarian Universalist in particular? Well, partly it was um, my best friend, Sally, when I was seven, <laughs> was going to Unitarian Sunday school and brought me along. But I didn't really stay with the UUs. Um, I, my family was, um, my parent, father was an atheist and my mother, while was away from her, kind of had moved away from her religious up, Christian upbringing at that time uh, in her life. Uh, so I had no real, you know, religious background. And then I went to a Quaker high school, which was really meaningful for me and still informs my spirituality a great deal. Um, I attended a UU church in San Francisco for a while in the 90s when I wanted to take my son to Sunday school uh, to give him a little religious you know, experience. But I didn't really uh, find that as a true home for me, that one in San Francisco. Um, at the time, it uh, didn't, it was, yeah, I did. Um, and then, uh, so I wasn't really in, into any church for a long time, but more spiritually involved through my meditation and yoga, uh, some Buddhism, Buddhist practice that my yoga teacher taught mainly and other experiences uh, here and there. Um, and sort of, I think I've, I've, like many of us, you know, there's a lot of people that identify as spiritual, not religious. And I think that, right. that was what I did uh, 
mm-hmm. would have picked until I just joined this church um, because I bring a lot of things together. I actually was a religion major in college, mm. uh, which, you know, I was already meditating and doing yoga and a sort of, and had the Quaker background. So even though you study it at the college I was at in a secular way, I was, it was resonating to my experience. So I bring up, brought a lot of things together for myself over time. Um, and then I moved to Monterey two years ago and I immediately was fortunate to, to get a circle of friends through my uh, neighbors. Um, however, I had an experience with one friend who um, was making jokes about people with a different accent. Mm. And I just felt really, you know, I, li- I liked this friend and I mm-hmm. liked our, but I felt that I needed to find some people who wouldn't be doing that and who I could talk over my reaction to that and like process, what should I do about this? And so I had a kind of a desire to find a community and Mm. the Unitarians on a Facebook group announced that they were going to have a karaoke party. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So I said, uh, (laughs) I just, I love singing. And I went, that's how I actually got there. was, uh, went to a karaoke party and uh, sang there, and they immediately invited me to join the choir, come to church, and they were just the most, this church, they're just the most uh, welcoming and friendly uh, bunch of people, and so I did find my my spiritual home there at that point. That was about a year ago. Well, thanks for sharing some of that spiritual journey with us. I know, yeah, a lot of us increasingly in America are spiritual, but not religious or what we call interreligious. Um, so, yeah. Um, and and also part of your, your background and, and the choices you've made is in deciding to become an educator. Um, what what brought that about? Yeah, um, I didn't know. I was, I was, one of those people graduated from college with a degree in religion, not sure what to do. So it took me a long time to find my way. And I actually did, I lived in a communal situation where we had, we did have classes that were about more like communication and relationships and things like that. And um, I was somewhat involved in teaching that, but I didn't know where really what my path was. So I took, I actually did like work on it, workshops and, um, to, to explore what should I do, you know, aptitude testing. And I realized through that, that I was, uh, that I have a human, humani- they called it humanitarian orientation, right? That I wasn't, I mean, I knew that, but it was like nice to have a label that I, no, this is why business, working in business or being a salesperson never interested me, you know? Um, and I had real, then I reflected and realized I'd been involved with schools with some kind of everything had been a, some form of education my whole life. I had volunteered in my son's schools, preschools, everything. And um, then I happened to, although I was exploring other ideas, I thought I might be a nutritionist. But when I went back to college, took the first math class, I just uh, fell in love with the math, actually, with, with, with um, doing math. and and had a urge to help other people with it. So gradually I put together, you know, going to school for it as earning my master's of education. And, uh, and now the cool thing is that the work I'm doing, um, we're actually exploring a whole uh, liberatory education framework in our school that is uh, really deep work about 
decolonializing our education and um, really recognizing all the way that this education systems are oppressive to, to people. And so um, it's my work at, as an educator has actually gotten even more connected to social justice. So I'm excited about that. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, then how did you get involved with climate activism in particular? I mean, you even went on to become a climate reality leader, which isn't better than other forms of climate activism, but it does indicate a significant commitment. Um, so how did you how did you get involved with that? Honestly, it was the film An Inconvenient Truth, you know, that um, what when I saw it, what when did it come out? 2004, 2005, somewhere in there, I think, you know, it um, I just took it to heart. Uh, I was also a, in college, an activist with um, nuclear weapons, you know, early 80s. I'm sure many of you were involved in those struggles. Uh, I was at that time, I had envisioned, you know, apocalypse uh, from nuclear weapons, you know, and so when I, I think when I saw Al Gore's film, you know, it was like, I, I knew, I always knew that there were going to be ecological consequences coming in my lifetime. And um, it just seemed so important, again, like uh, the activism I had done when I was younger. But I didn't get, you know, I did things um, on my own, I got solar power for my house and uh, would on my own, I email, I called my uh, supervisor in San Francisco to ask for, you know, legislation related to solar power and things like that. And, um, you know, various things like that I did as an individual. And uh, 2015, I'm not sure what, I can't recall now why at that time, but at that time I applied to be a climate reality leader so that I could uh, really focus more on it and get more training and connect with others about it. Uh, I actually went to a training in Toronto, which was really interesting to meet uh, Canadians, so many Canadians in the training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you. That That's a bit of your backstory there. And here you are now at the Unitarian Church in Monterey. And it seems like you jumped right in beyond karaoke. You decided that you wanted to bring some of this, or not bring some of it, but maybe boost or, or augment some of the environmental justice work and introduce climate action as well. So how help us understand now, how did you get going? I know there's a whole process there. Yeah, so the it's partly how I approached joining that church. Well, I didn't even join right away. There, I, I let myself come in um, and feel it out. And like, you know, I, I knew I was in the choir. I love singing. That part was right away. But the rest of it, all the committees and all the different things, people came up to me immediately. Like, could you join our committee? Could you uh, this or that? And I said, uh, no, thank you. I want to really take my time and feel what, is right for me and really understand what you're all about here and what all is available uh, while I was going attending services and participating in the choir. And um, so I, I, I kept myself open. And then there was a, it was Earth Day service, the Sunday uh, after Earth Day. And one of the worship associates, I don't recall exactly what she said, but she was talking about the need to 
to take care of the planet, to, to solve these crises. And I got super excited because uh, I had just been in another training with Climate Reality about the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and the Infrastructure Bill and all the opportunities that are in that those 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 bills and um, you know the feeling I had it it actually reminds me of the Quaker training that I have where you in Quaker worship you you know you're moved to speak you you feel the spirit moving in you you know I wanted to almost just interrupt the service like hey wait no I got <laughs> but um, I controlled myself because I I didn't think anybody would appreciate that. So I waited until the end and ran, then ran, rushed up to her and, and told her, you know, I, I have this uh, training I've just been in. I wanted to present about this. Um, how can we do this? And she was lovely. Uh, I think she was already a member of the, um, the Environmental Justice Committee and invited me to um, come to their meetings and you know, to, to do some planning that, at that point. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it so, went from there. I mean, you worked on a big presentation, right? Yeah. So the way mm -hmm. that happened, and I, I had noticed, like I'd been involved with a few, with, for a few months at that point, and it, it didn't seem as if there were a lot of actions happening, you know, and I, I, wanted you know i was sort of like well you have a committee what is it doing and um i'm i'm not quite sure why they were quiet kind of quiet at that time my theory is that they just have so many other things the people that are on the committee are have lots of other roles in the church and other things they're focusing on anyway um <clears throat> so we decided they told I got I consulted with the people who were in the church about when to do it. And they said, summer's slow, you know, July, August, everything kind of shuts down. Let's plan it for September. And I thought, of course, doing it on the equinox would make sense, you know, would be lovely. <laughs> so <clears throat> there was actually a Saturday, like the Saturday was the actual equinox. So we plan, you know, we, we put it on the calendar um picked a time and um you know so then it was a matter of as that time got closer trying to figure out what exactly was i going to do for this and i reflected a lot about um the material that's in the slideshow so much of the material in our the slideshows that we get from al gore's organization from climate reality often have majority about what's the problems and the, the terrible costs we're, we already have and that we anticipate. And I know that that can be, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's important for people to know, but I know it can be painful and it can be actually discouraging, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you all are, have thought about all these things quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> so I came up with the title um, and balancing the light and dark, because that's what I was trying to do as I was preparing it is to balance that. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. then um, it was a matter of sort of getting um, getting to know this committee of people mm. that are already, you know, there already was a committee. There, there was already a whole church organization to learn about. Um, and I did feel a lot of anxiety and that I was planning it on my own. 
Uh, and so that's why I reached out to you, for example, to, to discuss, you know, to get your thoughts and process with you about what, what I might do. And um, I also reached out at one point to the minister of our church uh, to mm -hmm. just talk to her, one of the two co-ministers to talk to her about, I guess I was partly like not sure what was right to do, what was appropriate, you know, and was I on the right track for what would be right in this or this this church? Um, and I just also I was so new and green that I didn't know how to do a lot of things. Like I thought once we had put it on the calendar, it would be announced everywhere and everything. But that wasn't true. There's other steps you have to do. You know, there's like you have to you have to email so-and-so and put it in this announcement and email somebody else and do this. And so I, I needed support with all of that. And I think after I talked to the minister, my, I'm guessing she probably told the rest of the people that I needed more support. And then they kind of came together and started telling me like, oh, there's this woman who will make flyers for you um, as a volunteer, you know, and they're so-and-so likes to do social media. And so, so we'll, you know, put up flyers. And so we just sort of planned it planned it like that. Yeah, and to interrupt you, because uh, we'll come back to that. But what I'm hearing is, you know, even even as a relative newcomer, you you found a home in this committee, you worked the relationships with this committee, and you decided to sort of break ground with a presentation to the church or to the local congregation. And it it involved a lot of cross pollinating and and sort of asking people to help with this task and this task and this task, and in doing that, kind of finding your team, like your project team that you can't yes. do it by yourself. Yeah. Yes, and thank you. You you made me think about what else I want to say. Thank you, um, which is um, that I what I was aware of was didn't seem to be a lot of conversation going on in this congregation about climate change and about environmental justice. Uh, and so my goal that I had in mind was to increase the conversation, to have mm -hmm. more conversation happening. So that, and that made it easier for me to deal with my fears and anxieties because it uh, didn't mean it had to come out exactly a certain way or look exactly a certain way, but that I, even just preparing for it, we were having more conversations and I was getting people involved in planning, you know, and, and uh, yeah, and so it's, and that I knew that whatever happened, even my presentation wasn't perfect or as smooth as I wanted it to be, as long as we were having conversations and we were, were thinking about it together, we're coming together, then uh, that was what was most important. So, so that took some of the performance pressure off of uh, any kind of goal or expectation. It's just a focus on having conversations. And I know we'll do crosstalk in a bit, but Dennis Carpenter's always talked about that, keeping the conversation going, even getting it going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I so, mean, I was really nervous. I was very nervous. It came at a time too, like a few, three weeks before the presentation, I got COVID. I was also at, at that time applying for this new position in my school. It was a lot of, uh, lot going on with me so I had to you know calm myself and um there was a quote that I saw from uh I forgot her name now but the quote is less uh less prep more presence right I mean preparation is great we want to but I was telling myself to be present 
during, and there were things that came up, right? Like I had technology issues during the presentation, as I recall. So, but, it, you know, so that helped me to stay calm and, you know, I just wanted to be present and uh, recognize that whatever was happening was, it was a good thing. And um, I know too, just for our, our audiences here, um, and other Green Faith members, when she says presentation, she's actually talking about putting together like a four to six hour event. So I just want y'all to, to hear that. <laughs> and and you also reached beyond the congregation to other activist colleagues you have. And a bunch of people came in from out there and offered help as well. So um, that's you right. Know, when Thank you. you when you for Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I tried to just keep telling myself. It's good to get other people. In, and I recognize that it's very, it's exactly the right thing to get other people involved. That, that uh, not only am I getting help, but that's what we want is for people to be activists, to be act in action. So that asking for help and getting support is a really good thing, um, you know, to let people, however it is right for them to contribute. So that was lovely that we had the community of, of, that you organized of the Monterey um, climate activists, uh, cl Monterey Climate Reality Project people. And yes, I absolutely reached out to them as well by email. And uh, several people supported in different ways as well. So it was lovely how it all came together. And you I, spoke very lovely, said, you know, very helpful, lovely words that I appreciate a lot. Doing my part. But what I what I love about your sharing of this is that a lot of people, myself included, can find it a barrier thinking about if I had to be front and center, it puts me on the spot. How am I going to do it? And what I love about your sharing is, no, you don't you just have to work on getting the conversation going and get people engaged in conversation and it will shape up. It will take its shape and it will do like you say, it'll magnify that. So, yay. Now, what what are you folks working on now? I mean, what's going on now with where you're at? Because I know you just started in September last year. Yeah, so I had that event on September 21st. Um, and so what uh, happened was we discussed it in the next, like, Environmental Justice Committee meeting. And uh, after that one, and what we decided to do was to start meeting um, start meeting monthly uh, for climate. Actually, the Environmental Justice Committee sort of stopped having these committee meetings and just started having this Environmental Justice Action Committee meeting is basically what happened. <laughs> so instead of a meeting where we spent cool. 20, 20 minutes talking about what article we we're going to have in the newsletter and and what uh, what vegetarian recipe we're going to publish, which is really good that we're doing that. Um, it, it became, this is the focus, is, is we're doing our Sunday meetings. And that was partly because we got more people involved and they couldn't all meet at the same times that they had, you know, and anyway. So yeah, the second Sunday of every month we decided is when we are gathering. Um, and yeah, so that's what we started. We started the first one in November. We, we had another one in December and we're planning another one for this Sunday. And that's been a learning process for me to have these meetings. <laughs> um, the, like, I think, again, I had technology issues again in the first one. I don't know why I keep, my laptop is not connecting well with the church, but it's not. <laughs> um, and, um, 
they and we went on a little too long so i got feedback from people we should have food at these meetings so then the december meeting i made a pot of soup to bring and um but then it was awkward because well we have this food and we need the dishes and everything we just ended up meeting in the kitchen around this pick steel counter and that ended up being awkward because <laughs> it, because of that situation i think it was less focused you know and there was more separate conversations and um i also unfortunately put tamara i mean i put soy sauce in the soup that i was trying to have be gluten-free and you know <laughs> it was just i don't know so i like we're literally just like i'm still form figuring out how to have the most like effective meetings um i just you know an hour ago or two just talked with the chair of the environmental justice committee planning the meeting we're having on this sunday and we decided maybe not as complicated food simpler food that we could just eat in the sanctuary uh she thinks that if we're all seated and focused like that we won't be oh, she doesn't think there'll be all the crosstalk and like sit, talking over each other um we and oh but the big thing of course which i think you were going to lead into but i might as well segue to it is the uh green we're gonna we're focusing on the green sanctuary 2030 program that the unitarian universalist church church yeah has. tell tell us about that because that's not just for uu congregations right I mean, it is structured for UUs, but the information is all available publicly. So it's, you know, anybody could look at what what they have available. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure they won't mind sharing it and other people using it as a template or collaborating. Um, but what it is specifically is a structure for Unitarian Universalist churches to uh, and fellowships to um, to, to structure their, their their work on climate and environmental justice. Um, and it's, it's, it's rather involved. Uh, it has a lot of elements to it. Um, if anybody has heard about Green Sanctuary uh, in the past, I, I heard that there was another version in the UU church in past years that was very complicated and hard to, hard to fulfill. That's what I heard. And I, that might have been part of the reason why the church wasn't that active at this point. Maybe they had like looked at that and said, this is too hard and didn't go for, forward with it. Um, so the Green Sanctuary 2030 is a simpler process where there are there are these different steps you can take and you don't have to do a whole, you, you report as you do them. And the first step is, for example, a inventory of what your church is doing so far has done uh it's asking people to focus on um on i it, can i share a screen charlotte yeah <laughs> i could actually yeah. share uh share share my screen um yeah well and, and i'm i'm reading too you get people can go to uua.org and look up green sanctuary 2030 program yeah. While you're figuring out how to do that if you can oh yeah. thank you for um yeah uh-huh so the green sanctuary 2030 has let me move my windows around here um they have four elements can you all see this those of you that mm -hmm. are with me congregation mm -hmm. congregational transformation justice mitigation adaptation and resilience um 
and the mitigation, they mean like climate action, like trying to prevent climate change when they say mitigation, which can often mean something else in others. I think other there are other definitions of that. So um, they say you can approach the elements all at once, one at a time, or in groupings, dependent on your capacity, strengths, areas for improvement and interest. Um, and when they talk about justice, they are really talking about um, connecting with frontline communities and finding out their needs and following their lead. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and that it can be, you know, and really, uh, they're really connecting it to all justice actions that people might need. They're all connected. And so it might not be directly always specifically something we'd put on a normal list of climate actions, but if it might be housing, um, you know, mm -hmm. for example, is one example. Um, and the congregational transformation piece is really interesting because uh, I, I could stop sharing now again, but is um, I saw a presentation about that. Uh, it's about the idea that you don't you try uh, moving away from having one committee that does all the action. Yes. To, to that it's something that you would um, weave through your entire congregation and all the committees. And I'm still learning how you do that exactly, to be honest. <laughs> but um, the example was uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Dave, they did it very successfully. However, one of the things that helped them is that their congregation had all agreed that climate change was an important focus for them. Mm. Um, that, so, you know, they sort of had their buy-in that way. Um, but, you know, the, the idea is that every, every aspect of, of, our, of the church's lives can, is somehow connected to this, this process. And that you would, like, for example, if you have a, you know, uh, we have an arts committee. I'm sure there's some way that they could be involved, right? Or uh, the cool thing, I was just at a, another uh, strategic planning meeting at our church and people were talking, somebody said they wanted our youth to be involved with climate justice. And then mm -hmm. they're like, who wants to do what? And I'm like, I'll work on that, please, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah, you can imagine, like I even would love to get our choir to do, you know, some uh, something specific on this, or, you know, maybe we would, could sing to uh, cheer ourselves up while we're, you know, work meeting to talk about some difficult aspects of, of it. So, anyway, so it's kind of, a, if I can, it, it sounds to me, uh, it's sort of like the, if, if everyone in the congregation is agreeing that this is a core value, a not negotiable core value, this is something we care about, that it's kind of like, how does it become a core behavior in every part of church life? It's, that's another way of, of, of thinking about it in my language. Would you agree with that? Well, I don't think we have to uh, get in advance, get everyone to say this is the most, you know, that, that they agree that this is a priority. Because otherwise, I think that's a barrier to moving forward if we wait till, because for example, in our strategic planning process that we just had, that was not identified as the highest priority of our church. Mm. Um, so, but I'm not going to let that slow us or anything, you know, because I don't think, I think the question wasn't a, to, to, I think what it is, is if you asked everybody, if you think about your concerns for the future, what's highest on your list? I imagine most of us would put that high on the list, but they were thinking more specifically about the growth of the church. And so all the things we've been talking about as far as like strategic planning are things like um, outreach and building community within the church. So whether or not everyone in the church has identified it, I still think that we will be inviting. I think we will be 
you know, inviting everyone to be involved somehow and, and working to engage people. So I, that I don't know yet how that's going to play out. I don't. That's for us to process um, and, you know, how we get more. On the other hand, it's a fair, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe 150 members or something like that, maybe 200. Um, and people are on multiple committees. You know, the people that are on my environmental justice, our environmental justice committee are very active in other parts of the church. I think they have a lot of influence. I think we all do. And I think that the values, though, the Unitarian, it is it is consistent with the Unitarian Universalist basic principles. Like we have a banner that says something about like the interconnectedness of all being. That's one of our core core principles. So, you know, it is it is truly already built into the principles of the of the Unitarian Universalist. How much that's present to each member of the congregation, I, I'm not sure. Thank you. So that's that's uua.org slash green sanctuary 2030 program. People can reference and also Green Faith International, of which this circle is, is registered with that, is a, a multi-faith uh, international movement trying to help individual congregations to catalyze similar kinds of things. So at this point, I've got folks um, on uh, gallery view again, and I want to kind of start to open it up to allow other people to respond. But but go ahead, Nan. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did want to share that. that I don't, don't forget there was that other resource I want to share. Go for it. Okay. So the other thing that I, as we move into, I don't know if any of you are, has if any of you are, engaged with or emergent strategies yes okay so i just wanted to share that that um actually it was in my uh few interactions with this green sanctuary program that i saw quotes from why can't i say her name right now emergent strategies is uh, do you remember her name jessica the name of the author of that <laughs> Jessica, anyway. you're muted. You're muted. I think you're trying to tell us something. There you uh, go. Mary Brown, I was just going to get the. <laughs> oh, you got the book. Yeah, there it is. And what was her first go. name? Adrian. Adrian, Adrian Marie Brown. Excellent. I have, I, I'm just, I'm still reading the book while I've been listening to it on tape. Um, however, I, I would just a couple of quotes from that book shaped when I say that I like reached out to my minister, it came out of a quote from that book that was shared in a meeting that I had attended. It's like, it's a just lovely, um, uh, lovely work about. Um, and just to, while, while you're finding that, just to say again, it's Emergent Strategy by Adrian Brown, right? Adrian Marie Brown. However, she she is in an institute, which I'm just putting in the chat right now, ESII.org. Um, so she very much she's recognizing, okay, it's about approaches to um organizing that are that are about building deep relationships and about honoring our own uh well-being, uh, like uh, as we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And much more than that, um, <laughs> uh, it's about, uh, oh, and it's about things like um, fractals, a fractal understanding that if you, 
that perhaps if you do something on a small scale, that it can it can it can scale up instead mm -hmm. of always thinking that we have to do something on an enormous scale to start out with, you know, and to um, so I'm just starting the book, so I can't. I mean, Jessica may be able to report better than me. However, I just wanted to share that it's a lovely um, work that I'm using to to guide me. So ESII.org, the Emergence Strategy Ideation Institute, right? Yeah, they yeah. have podcasts, they mm -hmm. have books, um, they have trainings. And um, yeah, so I just suggest investigating that if you haven't already. Great, thank you. Now, shall we open it up? Okay. Yes. Um, so folks, thoughts, questions about Nan's process or how this is striking you? Yeah, I'm Judith. really glad you're doing this work. Um, thanks for sharing about what's been accomplished so far. In addition to my work with Circle Sanctuary, over the years, I've been doing what you might call writing the Unitarian Universalist Circuit. I've been a guest minister in a number of communities and congregations across the USA, and I've been at General Assembly several times. Sometimes I'm brought in as somebody connected with paganism and nature spirituality because a congregation really wants to have a sermon and a service that's more focused on green themes. So it's some things I thought I would just share with you to find out what discussions or what you've encountered so far. Um, certainly in addition to having actual Sunday services with some type of environmental theme, climate justice theme, having the story for all ages, which is part of liturgy and a number of Sunday services for Unitarian Universalist congregations, churches, and fellowships. You know, every UU um, community has its own characteristics. But one of the things that I've endeavored to do is compile a list of some stories to be able to share whenever I have the opportunity to do that as part of one of my um, experiences in person or online or both, which it's been in more recent years. Sometimes I make up the story and will actually bring a image of the planet. I have something called a hug a planet from 1990 Earth Day time. <laughs> and, and the young people each get a chance to hold the planet and share, you know, some things. So I, I think there's the Sunday service, there's youth education. And then you mentioned some things about um, music and art. And I know in some fellowship halls and sanctuaries, I have seen beautiful tapestries depicting the sixth source and or the seventh principle, seventh principle, the interconnectedness of all things and the sixth source having to do with nature's rhythms. Um, and then, of course, there is the how do we heat our 
um, building. <laughs> you know, how green are we with all of that? Um, I remember a number of years ago, I went to my first Unitarian Universalist um, congregation to do a service where there was plug-in for electric cars um, there. I just, it was one of the first churches, this was north of Milwaukee. So I'm wondering if any of these things have been part of discussions or practices at the congregation you are um, helping to green more fully. Wow, that's, uh, well, thank you so much for all of your um, descriptions of, of the resources and ideas that you've been implementing and know about. Um, actually, out of that initial uh, at that initial service that I had, one of the participants, she's on the worship committee, so she did plan another service where she focused it on um, on our on this, you know, caring for the earth and and environmental justice, and it was so lovely. I told her afterwards, I feel so supported. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I would love to get the list of books from you that you mentioned, stories. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that there's, let's see, what, what was your question exactly? Um, I, you know, our, our church doesn't have as much of a focus on earth, on like earth-based um, worship, you know, as some UU congregations do, like we don't normally have any, you know, like you have the full moon service or something like or circle like we haven't i haven't seen that but it's actually an interesting idea of a direction to go in as another way for us to engage um that's not just about sort of talking and and you know doing sort of actions but but giving us remind helping us to connect i like that um and yeah, what you've got a lot. You got a lot of room for growth there too, because just a reminder: she did the presentation mid-September. It's been October, November, December. We're in early January, and within that short time, you've gone from a presentation to figuring out how to do meetings, planning meetings, to now integrating some kind of worship, to engaging an entire structured program, Green Sanctuaries 23. That's a lot of movement for, a, I'm speaking as a former pastor, it's a lot of movement in a short amount of time. So if you were to do that much movement every quarter, um, it'd be fun to check in with you from a, a year from now to see the full-blown programs that are developing. I mean, you know, it's a good start. Um, I want to acknowledge that Judith had something to say and then Jessica had something to say after her. And I can follow up on that, Char. Um, just doing the organizing I've been doing with Circle Sanctuary, it's not an easy thing. So, Nan, wow, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, and I I was reminded when Selena introduced herself at the beginning that um, as a teenager, I was involved in the very first Earth Day in, in 1970 as well. And so, you know, if we look back on all these years later, it, it really it's a continuously changing process. Um, and we we just need to keep going and building on what we've got. And uh, the, the way I come at it is that every little thing I do matters. It's like even the people I run into at the grocery store, if there's something I can talk about recycling or um, 
you know, if if there's uh, any way that I can build it into the services that I give to the Navy recruits, which I do a lot, is really easy because it's like we're nature spirituality. That's what we do. We honor our Mother Earth. And so I always keep coming back to the fact that we are all connected and the air we breathe is is connected with the trees and it, 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 we need to be responsible. And, and so I'm really honored to be um, speaking with these young people because they're all between like 18 and, and 24 for the most part to get them because I really believe that the, the younger generation is, is our greatest hope. They, they are getting way more information than we ever got when I was a teenager at Earth Day. I mean, it was a good start. But it was just that. It was just a start. So, yes, I definitely echo what Shara said, that, Nan, you've come a long way, baby, and you're doing great. Check. Yeah, Jessica, um, you wanted to add. Yeah, thanks so much for um, a great conversation. It's just so inspiring. And um, I was particularly struck by something you said, Nan, um, at the very beginning of the conversation, when you talked about your background uh, work as an educator, and you were implementing, uh, I believe you said decolonial or anti-colonial practices, um, and that's starting to inform your work, you said, um, in social justice. And so I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit, maybe your thoughts about that, you know, that worldview or that work incorporating into your um, engagement with the congregation, for example, or the environmental justice work that you're doing. Oh, yeah, I know you're. <laughs> I mean, and I'm very, I'm very, very humble right now. Um, it, it, this pedagogical education framework, uh, liberatory education framework is something that others designed in my school. Um, and I'm a student of it. Uh, I'm a student. I, I'm reading books uh, that I never read before about um, you know, because I think when I came through education school, we talked about multicultural education and we talked about, uh, you know, equity, but we didn't talk, we didn't have as deep in and we're deeply analyzing, like, what, um, how the whole system of education is, you know, founded on, on, on white supremacy you know, and, uh, and, and all of these intersections of oppression. And um, the way, one way that, I, one thing that I have reflected on, you know, I'm very humbled because as a white person, I was not aware as I came up. I was not educated and I was unaware and I'm becoming aware, right? And um, that uh, mm -hmm. and so but however i have also been aware of other things that i was very critical about that government was doing or institutions were doing so it's interesting to me i have made this connection in my mind between how <laughs> there's these corporations and system mm -hmm. of of capitalism and uh mm. that wants to that it does not care about our well-being mm -hmm. and 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 now and i'm now with my consciousness of like my privilege i'm realizing that all these other people have been suffering under this system for a really mm -hmm. long time that you know which i didn't feel that suffering growing up that suffering mm -hmm. you know and so um you know of course there's other things like uh mm -hmm. 
you know, anyway, like feminism and all of that. But, mm-hmm. um, and so with my congregation, it has, I am now more open to learning about racism and, and, and exploring that. And so the activism, you know, I think I used to feel overwhelmed by activism, like, well, which one should I pick? <laughs> you know, uh, how could I do it all? And I think it's feeling more connected now. And like for, you know, I, I'm planning to go to the, our church is very involved with like the Martin Luther King uh, <laughs> events here in our region. So I'm going to be doing that on Monday. Um, and it's, um, I, I want to engage with other people in my congregation about uh, processing the, the this as a white person, like, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm realizing and what I'm, what I'm confronting and how I feel about it. And yeah, so I don't know if I really answered your question, but these are the things that are swirling around in my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Our social location, always figuring out and, and looking at it realistically and, if if we come from a race that was a colonizer, we don't have to be colonizers, but we have to understand what that is and the di- dynamics and learn how to be allies and all that kind of good stuff. I'm, I'm speaking out of my own experience and not saying what anyone else has to do, but that's what I'm in the process of trying to do. Um, Dennis, did you have something you wanted to add or ask? Uh, no, not nothing to ask about specifically. I just wanted to say I really in, in appreciated your uh, description of your uh, emerging organizing work, and I wish you the very best in all that you're doing. And uh, it, it would be int- it will be interesting to see what you've accomplished in a year. So maybe you can come back and let us know about that. Yeah, you can also be a member of Circle Sanctuary too, and then you can you know be part of <laughs> cross pollinating. Yeah. Well, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I just want to tell you how kind uh, it is, how I really appreciate all of your support. You know, um, I, you're making me appreciate more what, what we've done. I think that my mind tends to diminish or, um, yeah, which is not helpful, really. So it's very helpful of you to to help me to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. George, Jennifer, do you folks have something you want to add? I see you listening so courteously. Um, it sounds like an amazing journey that you're on, and um, I'm I'm sure that you're going to be a great inspiration to many others as you go through this journey. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Jennifer? Yes. Okay. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very difficult process. And one that all of us talk about every month in one way or another, green faith is focused on it internationally. Denominations are focusing on how do we get our congregate, our faith communities, our local faith communities, any, anyone we're involved with to move from talking about the issues um, to deeply talking about our own location of vulnerability with regard to the issues and then moving into action, moving into action. That's not an easy process, but it kind of goes from education to organizing, doesn't it? Become 
grassroots organizer. So any any uh, last thoughts about that from anybody who's good at grassroots organizing? I'm learning. Sure, you're doing a great job. Thank you for this. And I appreciate you um, sharing from your experience as you have begun this. Um, There's people at different stages, and I do think um, part of my takeaway from this is having that calling and then beginning to reach out and collaborate within community and to start a momentum. Um, One of the things I really appreciate about the Unitarian Universalists um, that I've connected with, there does seem to be a real um, understanding about inclusion and connection and service and social justice is real foundational values and practices. And I, I know that Um, Within the larger UU world, the nature-based, earth-centered, and or pagan (laughs) dimensions of UUA, the covenant of Unitarian Universalist pagans, uh, has been one of those resources for helping to green congregations within not only the UUA, but it actually has had ripple effects out in in the interfaith world as people from different faith traditions and denominations of different traditions come together. So thank you so much for being part of our Green Faith Circle and sharing your process and the successes so far. I do think you're inspiring not only those listening um, now, but those who may be processing in the future about, well, can I really make a difference? Well, you're living proof that by acting on a calling and drawing on some education, you can start more momentum. And I really think that's part of the key to mitigating climate change and bringing about eco-justice. So many thanks for being part of our Green Faith Networking. Thank you. Yeah, building resilient community. Well, we're kind of coming up to time. So before we go to closing, I'd like to invite each of us to have the opportunity to, you know, given what you've heard here today, to maybe offer some thought Uh, to our audience who might be listening or viewing about why should we have any kind of hope at all? Why should we feel empowered or hopeful at all living in these times? It's an exciting time. We're in 2024. It's going to be quite an exciting year. How should we have hope and empowerment this year? Anybody who wants to jump on that one? Go ahead, Jessica. Yeah, well, I'll just reflect what I heard today and what I'm hearing other places and the alignment uh, between all these different places and conversations that I've been in. Um, you mentioned, you know, the darkness, the, the 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 corporations, for example, that are counting on people feeling disconnected, feeling separate, feeling um, the severance from each other and from nature. But what I'm hearing that that works that you're doing is the importance of building community um deep meaningful relationships with each other with the earth with within nature 
And that's really central to action, breaking bread together, having meals together. That's really critical component to community organizing too, is that deep, meaningful connection and that sense of building a sense of belonging with each other and within nature that then creates health. It creates planetary health. So um, thanks for showing a pathway to that. Lovely. Anybody else? Well, I was going to say um, there's there's so much fear mongering going on out there that I just refuse to accept it. I definitely plan to, you know, put my light out into the world as much as I possibly can, because because I have faith that we will get through this this slightly dark time, this definitely difficult year, and that we will definitely see things change for the better, especially as we finally get towards 2025. Yeah. Yeah. Any any final words from the George Whitney camp or from Dennis? I would just add that I would recommend that we also disconnect from our devices and uh, get out in nature and spend some time there, too. Like right after the Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> George and Jennifer, you guys want to say anything? Oh, sorry, Celia. I appreciate conversations because when you have environment, um, climate mitigation, eco-action as a topic, you start boosting the signal, not only amongst those you're having the conversation with, but the ripple effect. So that's part of what gives me hope. And I give thanks for podcasting and videos and um, connections face-to-face and in cyberspace and in inner space. So many <laughs> thanks for our conversation today. I know something I want to add, which is that it's enjoyable. It's, it's, it's enjoyable to do this. It's enjoyable to focus on white on nature. It's enjoyable to connect with each other. It's it's enjoyable to to create action to to envision and to take steps towards your vision. And it it's um and I think that's like what you were saying, Judith, about sort of you you sort of focus on what you're doing, like uh that just having a day you know doing our daily work to, to the, together and each on, on our own um that if we fo- you know if we we can focus on that rather than trying to solve the big all of it all at once beautifully said i think i think that's a, a great place to stop our our group conversation um and th- that concludes our green faith circle discussion for this time thank you everybody it wraps up this installment of a blue marble podcast as well um i want to thank you so much for participating to our green faith members thank you so much nan foster for sharing your story with us today and these great resources that people can use we are going to check in with you again Um, Thank you to our audience for tuning in. And folks, if you value what you've learned here today, please share this information with others. Um, You can now find recordings of these programs available for listening and download by going to the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Look under the Our Work tab because you're going to find Green Faith YouTube recordings under Circle Green. 
And you'll find all the Blue Marble podcasts under the Circle Sanctuary Network podcasts tab and with um, the links also to current and past podcasts under Circle Green as well. So until next time, this is Char Bear signing off. Thank you for all the good you do. Stay true and blue. And hey, I hope to see you in the green space.